Welcome to the Financial Wealth and Health Podcast. My name is Isabel Rothi, a financial advisor at Desert Wealth Management, and it's my goal to help next generation, pre-retired and retired investors work toward financial freedom. I truly believe that in order to become financially wealthy and financially free, you need to become financially healthy first. Let's grow our financial wealth and health together. In today's podcast episode, I'm interviewing estate planning attorney Elizabeth Pickle. Elizabeth and I have grown a wonderful friendship over the last several months. I'm very grateful to have met her, and she and I hold many of the same values and perspectives on life. She truly cares about her clients and wants to help them live the life they've always wanted. Elizabeth and I have hosted a workshop and webinar together, and now we're doing a podcast interview. She has wonderful insights to share in this episode. I hope you enjoy. As a brief background on Elizabeth, I wanted to share her biography with you. Elizabeth is a legacy and brand protection attorney in Scottsdale, Arizona. She founded Mindful Counsel, a modern-day estate planning firm that counsels clients on the power of three. Number one, creating generational wealth. Number two, proper business formation, and number three, brand protection using intellectual property tools such as trademarks, copyrights, and patents. Connect with Elizabeth at www.themindfulcouncil.com. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Elizabeth onto the show. Welcome, Elizabeth, to the Financial Wealth and Health Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Isabel. I'm happy to be here. Yes, we're so excited for your time today and all your great tips. And to start off, I already shared your bio in the intro of the podcast, but I'd love for you to share your background about your life and profession to the listeners. Well, sure. Um, So I am an estate planning and brand protection attorney, and I wasn't always an estate planning attorney. Um, Back in law school, I was focused on other areas of law like medical malpractice and healthcare law. And um, when I graduated from law school, um, my grandfather actually um, asked me to uh, write his will. And I thought, well, that sounds a little boring, but maybe, uh, maybe I will, maybe I should, maybe I should do that considering, you know, he's my grandfather. So I did, I I wrote his will for him. And then um, years later when he passed away, um, the will was uh, probated, and my grandfather had one asset. He had a farm, and um, like many people, uh, back in Maine is where I'm originally from, um, he was land rich and cash poor. And he left the farm to a family member, and unfortunately, the farm was um, ultimately lost in a divorce. And to say the least, it was very upsetting to me as the attorney who drafted the will and to the family in general. And so that's when I decided to make it my life's mission to understand more about estate planning and how we can protect assets um, to create a legacy um, for the uh, future generations. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that background. And as far as when we're talking about, you know, estate planning tips for young professionals and young families, I know you work with a wide variety of clients, especially with the passion and, and your background in helping families. So when you're speaking with younger people, what are your top estate planning tips for the young professionals and young family members out there, especially since you started off as a young person? as an estate planner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so especially when I'm talking with young single professionals, 
um, you, you need to understand that you as a single person need estate planning more than anyone. And I say that because married couples quite frequently have all of their assets titled jointly. Mm -hmm. So if something happens to one partner, um, the other partner will maintain or retain the assets um, because they were owned jointly. But when you're a single person and you have your bank accounts and maybe you have real estate, you really do need to designate um, who should receive those assets if something were to happen to you. And you need to make sure that, that you have an advocate um, who will take care of you if you need uh, health care and you cannot speak uh, for yourself. Um, so that's really important. Um, the other thing I will say for married couples, married um, young couples, if you don't have a plan um, and you have children, the estate will be split up in most cases 50-50. And you may not want your spouse to only get 50% of the estate and your young children to end up with the other 50%. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense and I probably don't need to you know, explain why that would not be a, the best plan. Um, but you know, most importantly for young professionals and young families are the children. If you, again, if you have children, um, yes, our real estate is important. Yes, our bank accounts are important, but what is our most important asset? Our children. And so if you don't have a plan, who will take care of your mm -hmm. kids if you are incapacitated or worse, dead? Mm -hmm. um, don't let a court make this decision for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if someone is interested in perhaps establishing guardianship or, or getting paperwork like that set up, what's the simplest way to go about that and, and what does that look like? Yes. So that is part of the estate planning process. When we talk about estate planning, we're not talking about documents like a will or a trust. Yes, they can be tools that we use, but you need to sit down you know, with a trusted advisor and talk about what are your ultimate goals. If you if you are looking at creating a guardianship plan for your child, you know that is that should be the focus of, of your advisor as well. So it's just a matter of meeting with a with a, a, a well qualified uh, estate planning attorney and talking about uh, and discussing what your ultimate goals are um, for your children. Mm-hmm. That definitely makes sense. And speaking about, you know, those documents in particular, a lot of people, you know, when they get married or when they get their job, they ask, oh, should I have a will? And how do I even create a will? And do I create it? Do I hire someone? Do I go online? So when we're talking about wills or different documents like that, as a young person who has a family and is starting out, what would your advice be for that? Yeah, so I understand that when you are a young person starting out, your your budget may be tight, your funds may be limited, and um, there are a lot of DIY um, uh, templates. Uh, obviously, you'll see online, you'll see LegalZoom is one of them. And look, I am not going to fault anybody for at least attempting to put together a plan uh, within their budget constraints. I will say that as estate planning attorneys, we do often see a lot of um, these DIY templates um, and we have to clean up the mess later. Mm -hmm. um, but there are also organizations that, uh, legal organizations that each state has that you can contact and sometimes you can get um, pro bono or volunteer attorneys to answer your questions and help you out. Great. Thank you. Um, and 
a lot of young people I find that are hearing about this whole topic of the the big wealth transfer uh, coming up down the road for you know a lot of money to be transferred from the older generation to millennials and Gen Z and there's a lot of young people out there that have parents that perhaps may not be fully set up when it comes to estate planning documents trusts wills and you know they should be so how can young people encourage their parents to be protected when it comes to estate estate planning topics and what would you encourage parents to do to get ready for that down the road yeah no doubt that that is a thorny and intimidating (laughs) topic uh, to bring up with your parents and so what i suggest is that you start by asking your parents uh, what what are your wishes hey mom and dad what are your wishes if something happens to you in terms of you know not necessarily in assets but what about your health care what can i do to help you if you need day-to-day health care or you need help with day-to-day decisions regarding uh, your financials you can also ask your parents hey mom and dad do i have a role in your estate planning process um, you know, am I to have some type of authority to make decisions on your behalf? How can I help? Um, so the conversation doesn't necessarily need to begin with, tell me about my inheritance, <laughs> right? Um, and, and so I think by asking these, these more caring inquiries, you'll be able to start the conversation mm-hmm. and maybe then discover that, well, there isn't an estate plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it's, it's a matter of having a, a gentle conversation and expressing your concerns mm-hmm. around, well, if there's no estate plan, will a court, be a, will a court appoint someone mm-hmm. to make those decisions? And mom and dad, maybe you don't want that. Maybe you want me or my brother or my sister to help make those decisions. So it's important to express your concerns around that possibility and let your parents know that it doesn't matter so much about your inheritance or the size of the estate. What matters is leaving a smooth transition um, to the family. um, So the family has time to appropriately grieve um, and then have directions and intentions mapped out. So there's no conflicts. Um, among siblings. Yes, that's mm-hmm. a big one for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know we didn't have this on our notes, but I'd love for you to share with the listeners just kind of the basic terms of different estate planning vehicles and tools such as a trust, a will, any others to educate them so they feel like they know the basics of estate planning, but also to use down the road, whether it's for themselves or for their parents. If you just want to give a brief overview of what some of these terms mean. Sure, sure. So I think... Um, if I take out my notebook and I look at all of the most frequently asked questions over the years, the number one question is, what is probate? It's such a scary word for some people. Um, probate is the process um, in which when someone passes away and whether or not they have a will or don't have a will, the probate court is located in the county in which the individual resided, the deceased. And so the probate court is the overseer of the estate process. When someone dies, their estate goes into probate, again, even if they have a, a last will and testament. And your, your, your will should appoint the person that you want to manage the distribution of your assets. Mm-hmm. 
the um, person is called either an executor or a personal representative. Those are other common uh, names that we use in estate planning. Um, of course, we are all familiar with the last will and testament. Um, another frequently asked question is, well, what's the difference between a last will and testament and a living will? Mm -hmm. This is a huge area of um, confusion. And so the last will and testament is your final directions of how you want your uh, estate to be administered versus a living will is similar to what we call the advanced healthcare directive. It tells your agent how you want to be treated mm -hmm. if you are incapacitated, if you cannot speak for yourself or advocate for yourself. So just remember that the living will is for healthcare purposes and the last will and testament is the distribution of your estate upon death. Um, of course, the other uh, most frequently used terms in estate planning is the trust. We also call it the family trust the revocable trust, the living trust, because you know lawyers, we need mm -hmm. several names for one particular <laughs> uh, tool. Um, but the trust is a very common tool that we use in estate planning. If you want to have more control over how your assets are distributed uh, when you pass away, for instance, if you have children, you definitely don't want to leave assets to your child in a will because that would be akin to writing them a $50,000 check, let's say, and then they put it in the bank and they run down to the car dealership versus a trust where you can name a trustee to divvy out money to your child um, over time. And so, um, yeah, I think those are the probably the most popular estate planning um, words and definitions and, and um, concepts. Great. Thank you for, for sharing. And for those of you listening, I love hearing the way Liz explains these f estate planning topics because when you're young and you're trying to figure everything out, it can be so hard to really understand what all of these terms mean. And so it's quite simple when you boil it down. And if you're interested, Liz has an amazing Instagram, TikTok, a wonderful website where she goes all into the education. So we'll leave all those links in the show notes below if you're interested in learning more. Uh, but to transition now, we're going to talk a little bit about trademark and branding. So Liz, what are your top trademark and branding tips for young business owners? I know you have a passion for helping business owners with this, regardless of age. But as you've probably seen, a lot of young people are starting their businesses and perhaps aren't taking the necessary steps to protect their businesses. Yeah, and I want to say first that I'm really glad that you're asking about trademarks because while we were just talking about estate planning, remember that when you are creating an estate plan, you want to align all of your assets with your plan. And your assets are typically and traditionally what we think of as assets, real estate, bank accounts, retirement accounts, life insurance policies. Don't forget about your intellectual property, your smarts. What are these types of property that, that you've come up with in your big, beautiful, brilliant brain mm -hmm. around branding? So if we're talking about trademarks as a type of intellectual property, um, I would say for young business owners, be bold, be creative. Don't mimic other people. Don't copy other people. There's a fine line between being inspired by someone and copying. Mm -hmm. Be your authentic self. And then when you do commit to your brand, 
um, your trademark name, you want to practice really due diligence and perform a thorough search to make sure that your your proposed name of, of your business or brand is, is available. Um, and then, you know, of course, I have to say, speak to a brand protection attorney if, if you don't know how to perform a due diligence uh, search. The last thing you want is to receive a cease and desist letter, especially if you've already invested, let's say, twenty to $30,000 in your business and your brand. Um, so it's really important to secure your intellectual property as well as your other tangible assets. Um, and it just looks different for everyone um, as it depends on the type of intellectual property you have as well. Yes, and diving in a little bit about that trademark search, if you would love to share that process, because I think people would then realize how intense it is and how it is very important to receive help if, if they can't do it themselves. So could you share that process if people are interested in what that looks like to receive a trademark or, or qualify for one? Yeah, it's 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 intense to say the least. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I will say please proceed with caution. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, do a Google, just Google. Google your proposed name and trademark uh, name. Um, look around the internet universe and see what you can find. Um, the second step is you can go and jump on to the um, USPTO website. It is the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So again, the website is USPTO.org. And the website is, it's not bad actually. There's a lot of good information on that website. And you can understand more about how to search a trademark, um, what types of applications are available to file for your trademark. And there is a spot on the USPTO where you can click a button and you can search a particular word or a design mark. Now you have to be careful because when you do these searches, you're not gonna get all the results just by typing in, um, you know, let's take for instance, uh, Starbucks. If you are searching for uh, the word Starbucks to see if that word or uh, trademark is already taken, you're going to miss out on a lot of other similar marks. Um, and the, the USPTO also works with you know phonetic spellings. And so this is why it behooves you to talk to a trademark attorney because you know, we invest a lot of money in these high-powered search engines and we really do a full comprehensive analysis on not only the actual mark you are looking for, but what might be out there that's similar, that would cause what we call a likelihood of confusion um, in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to it. And, that, and on that last point too, if you have a business name that you didn't realize is similar to someone else's, they could try to contact that other person hoping to find you, or you could have someone who has a competition aspect in the name of the name being so similar. So that could also help you figure out maybe I should change the name of my brand if you're starting out. And that could help you a lot down the road with the return on investment with your business. 100% Isabel, that is such a good point. And you know, just, just keep in mind that there are a lot of things that we can do to help you obtain your trademark. Sometimes we can even enter into what we call coexist agreements. You know, if, if you have settled on a trademark or an, a name for your brand and there is something out there that's similar, you know, sometimes it's, it's worth it maybe to reach out to that business owner and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking of. Um, because trademarks also work 
with respect to classes and they work in certain in in different industries so if you're in one industry and the business um, that has a similar mark as you is in a different industry you may be able to coexist <laughs> mm-hmm. yes and, and on that point if someone here has a business they have the name how do they know if they need a trademark and how do they know how long it'll take to get a trademark share a little bit about that sure that's a great question so not everybody needs a trademark. Trademarks operate um, on more of a, of a nationwide uh, commerce situation. So if you want to open, let's say, um, a notary business in the state of Arizona, you really don't need to worry about a nationwide brand or trademark. Um, you're focused on your niche and you're focused on your little spot in the world. So it really doesn't make sense to invest a lot of time and money in branding yourself um, if you're going to be state specific. Having said that, most states have their own type of trademark process so you can look to see if you can create what's called a trade name in your own state. Mm. But if you are um, entering a product or service in commerce across 50 states, then you want to certainly consider um, a trademark. Um, so, you know, the process to uh, obtaining a trademark, boy, you know, it's gotten a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Remember that we're dealing with a federal bureaucracy mm-hmm. here. So, from start to finish, once you submit your application, it can take about six months before the trademark office to even pick Mm. up your application and review it. And by the time you receive your final trademark registration, it may take around uh, 12 to 18 months. Wow, Mm -hmm. so it's better to do it a little earlier if you realize you need it before your business gets too established, because could you imagine having your business started and then you realize you could change the name or something along those lines. So for those of you listening, if you think you need a trademark, maybe it's something you should pursue earlier. Yep. Yes. And also, it's it's important to understand that while you can file an application for a trademark that you are currently using, if you have an idea or a concept and you're really psyched about it, but you're not really sure when or how you're going to make it happen yet, you can file what we call the intent to use uh, application. And you can let the trademark office know, look, I have this great trademark and I intend to use it. And so I want to call legal dibs on this trademark today. And then if it's approved, the trademark office will say, all right, now you need to come back to us later, (laughs) you know, usually six months and you can get extensions on that. And then you can show actual use. Um, But this is why trademark law is so complicated. There are a lot of different ways that we can help you with your brand. Yes. And then the question that I know a lot of people wonder is, what's the difference between a copyright and a trademark? People see the copyright sign on websites. They wonder, do they need one? How do they get one? What's the difference between the trademark signs? If you give a little bit of insight, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. So I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible because, you know, lawyers, we, we love to make things very complicated. <laughs> um, so when you think about a trademark, I want you to think about Nike, the brand Nike. A trademark protects your business name, your slogan, or a logo. And so Nike is the name of the company. It's the name of the business. It's the brand. When you think of Nike, we don't even have to see 
their logo. We can see their logo in our mind. It's the swoosh. And so that's the logo. And then we all know, Isabel, I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. what is the slogan for Nike? Just do it. That's <laughs> it. Just do it. So you have your business name protected, you have your logo protected, and you have your slogan. So that's the short and skinny of a trademark. Copyrights protect written work or music. Um, so the cool thing about a copyright is the moment you take your idea and you put it in a tangible format, such as a writing in a book, you've recorded um, a video, you've recorded a musical piece, or you've put up a website, you own that copyright. It is yours. Now, Sometimes we recommend, and I shouldn't say sometimes, most of the time, we recommend that you record your copyright with the U.S. Copyright Office because it, 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 what it does is it gives your copyright some teeth. If somebody is infringing on your copyright, now you have a lot more power to stand up to them and say, look, mm-hmm. this is my copyright and you need to cease and desist, you're infringing. So, um, And then we have another type of in- intellectual property that I'll mention briefly, and that's, that's patents. Mm-hmm. And patents are, um, uh, we protect inventions with, with patents. Um, and so I am not a patent attorney, but I do have patent attorneys on my team. Patent attorneys are the coolest lawyers ever. <laughs> they are scientists. They have to be able to understand um, how to re- you know how to read um, you know engineering maps, and they have to be able to draft pictures of your invention. So they're super cool lawyers, um, and they're they're really special, and they have to pass their own um, patent bar as well as their mm. state bar. Wow, mm-hmm. that's amazing. So for any of you out there that love science and law, maybe that's. <laughs> That's a good career path. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing so much about the trademarks, the copyrights. When you do a quick Google search, it's really hard to comprehend it. So hopefully all of Elizabeth's tips helped a lot. And we're going to be transitioning more onto the mindful aspect of Elizabeth. Her practice is called Mindful Counsel. So Elizabeth, I wanted to ask you, how can people live a more mindful life? You know, when it comes to handling the stressful parts of life, such as understanding these estate planning topics or protecting your life different topics that maybe aren't the most fun to think about but how can you be mindful with it yeah um you know if if i really had the answer to this question um i'd probably be (laughs) be doing other things with my life Mm -hmm. but it's such a good question and i will try to offer um this response and and take it as you will you have to remember that all we have is this moment. This is all that we have in our life. This moment, and then when this moment is over, this moment, and then this moment. And so the past is is gone. The past is done. It doesn't affect the decisions that you are gonna make today and moving forward, and you have to understand that. Um, So when you are feeling overwhelmed or unsure, um, you've gotta ask for help. I think that so many people, including myself, that we don't like asking for help. And so life becomes really stressful when we feel like we have to shoulder the burden alone. So when you feel overwhelmed or unsure, ask for help. Seek out a reliable, uh, trustworthy advisor and meet with them and talk with them. It's worth the time. It's worth the investment. Um, And so... You've just got to make the best decisions that you can make today. Don't allow any outside influences to make your life decisions for you. 
Um, and so, you know, when, with respect to estate planning and business planning, understand that, that the procrastination piece and wanting to get everything perfect is going to prevent you from being in your greatness. So make a decision, take action and understand that you're going to evolve. And so the changes and, and decisions that you've made today, you're going to change. You're going to change that. You're going to make new decisions in the future. You're going to make different changes. Um, so I think that, you know, you've got to take some action. Otherwise you end up in a decision paralysis, like out of fear of making the wrong choice. Um, so you just got to get clear on your priorities. Uh, and what are those? Protecting yourself, <clears throat> protecting your children, protecting your business. Um, and when you do get clear on your priorities and you take action, it automatically takes that pressure off and it kind of resets your nervous system, mm -hmm. um, which is essential to healthy living and mindful living. And we all know that health is wealth. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I also wanted to ask too, I love the topic of your the name of your business, Mindful Counsel. How did you come up with that business name, especially since we're chatting all about trademarks and branding and titles? Mm -hmm. So I mentioned briefly um, when we started the podcast, I think I mentioned briefly that um, I had drafted the will for my grandfather that ultimately ended up losing the family farm. You know, I, I won't um, I won't lie. I'll be very vulnerable and transparent here. That sent me into a very deep, dark spiral. Um, I really felt as though you know I, I did something wrong and maybe I didn't deserve to be a lawyer and maybe um, I wasn't, um, you know, I just, I, I just wasn't you know, worthy of that title. And so I went to a deep, dark place and I found um, a gentleman by the name of John Kabat-Zinn and many, of him, many people refer to him as the father of mindfulness. Mm. And I took a course uh, with the, with the uh, University of Massachusetts Medical School about mindfulness. And it, you know, it sounds, it sounds kind of cheesy to say it changed my life, but it did. And I decided from that day forward that I would approach not only my life, but my business um, with mindful thinking and mindful behavior. And hence, Mindful Counsel was born. <laughs> That's great. And I think it's good that you look at the whole picture of someone's life. You know, holistically, you take a look at their past, what they've been through, where they need to go forward. Because oftentimes, everyone views the world differently based off their past and what's happened to them. So you connecting with that and giving someone personal advice based off that can help them feel really comfortable. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I feel like um, some of the best attorneys, and not just attorneys, but advisors, are people who have experienced um, a lot of hardship and have made mistakes. And they understand and they can kind of reverse engineer um, the work that they do for their clients to make sure that that will never happen to mm -hmm. their their clients. You know, and that's how I feel. As long as it's on my watch, it's not going to happen again. Yep. All that empathy. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you. And to wrap up, I wanted to ask you a question that I love talking with people about. And it's if you could go back in time and tell your younger self some advice, what would you share? I've been waiting for someone to ask me this question <laughs> because um, I have to steal an answer from uh, someone named Jim Carrey. <laughs> Most of you may know him as an actor, um, but Jim Carrey gave a speech uh, many years ago. I believe it was at a graduation ceremony. 
And it was a speech about doing what you love. And if I could go back and tell my younger selves, uh, give my younger self some advice, I would say that the same thing that Jim Carrey said, quote, you will only ever have two choices in life, love or fear. Choose love and don't ever let fear turn against, turn you against your playful heart. And you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance at doing what you love. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I started off not doing what I loved. And so um, I think a lot of us in our 20s and 30s um, have to figure that out. And, you know, it's all good. And eventually I think we all do figure it out. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Liz. And thank you for your time here on this podcast today. I think that all the listeners learned a lot, not only about state planning topics, trademark law, mindfulness, but also a little bit about you. And if they want to learn more about you, your story, hear your tips and advice, and perhaps work with you, where's the best place they could reach out to you or see your content? Well, you can absolutely visit my website, themindfulcouncil.com and Mindful Council on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and we are on LinkedIn as well. Great, and I will link all those in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Liz, for all your time. Liz is a dear friend of mine, and we've been wanting to get on the podcast for a while together. So thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have a great week. Let's stay financially wealthy and healthy together. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professionals prior to making a decision. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Elizabeth Pickle is not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial and Desert Wealth Management. The information portrayed in these examples are fictitious. No identification with actual persons and products is intended or should be inferred. This is for informational purposes only. No attorney-client relationship has been formed.